0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rob Murgatroyd Show. Each week, I have conversations with some of the most fascinating people on the planet that can help you live a life of fulfillment. Speaking of fulfillment, if you want to hire me as your coach, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if we are a good fit to help you create and design your dream life and business. That's robshowcoach.com. Before we get into today's episode, our next Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind event will be in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for the F1 race on November 16th to the 19th. So look, these trips are designed to get you out of your day-to-day, around some amazing entrepreneurs and provide bucket list experiences that will have you coming home re-energized to grow your business and bring your life to a whole new level. Head over to workhardplayhardexperience.com and fill out an application. All right, let's jump into today's show.
1: Everything works in a demo. Everything works when you're practicing the moves. Will it work at two in the morning? At two in the morning, the problem is, the bad guy has selected you and he's gonna try and surprise you. So executive function gets hijacked the cognitive brain is bypassed and your survival brain takes over. And this is the start of flex. Your survival brain will try to cover the head, push away danger. So I built a whole system around that. If you ever done martial arts, you're probably going, this guy's an idiot. You can't teach self-defense in a day. Yes, you can, just in the same way you can teach CPR and, and tactical first aid in a day. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey man, finally. I've been waiting months to talk to you.
0: I know, it's been one of those things where we went back and forth. You know, you are the second Montreal native that I've had on the show in the last 24 hours. Mon. Yes. Yesterday, I had a uh, a gal from Montreal, much heavier accent than you, and she's a uh, a spear fisher woman. She just decided uh-huh. to get it. She was just on Joe Rogan's podcast yesterday as well, and I, I got confused because on my I was looking at my notes, and I was looking at Montreal. I, I write down keywords, so I see like Montreal spear fishing, and then on your notes it said Montreal spear program, and I was right. like. I was like, "Oh my god, these it's that, parallels."
1: That that is so crazy. As you said that, I was like, "What are the odds?" You know, but, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. She probably looks better in a bathing suit than I do, but
0: well, she does look terrific. I have to say. All right, so I want to pick it up in Montreal in uh, in the seventies when you were when you were fifteen. Your mom had asked you, "Hey, what what are you, you going to do with your life? What do, what do you want to do?" And you said, "I'm going to." I'm gonna develop my own self-defense system like Bruce Lee. Yes. Where do you suppose that that sort of foresight came from at such a young age? Something happened when I started teaching, when I started
1: training three years earlier, I was about 12 and a half, 13, and I got jumped by two guys. Went home, told my dad heads, got beaten up, you know, after this game. And he was like, you know, you got to learn martial arts. There's one school, and I, I went to the school. And I felt like I'd never felt such peace when I started studying the martial arts. And I discovered Bruce Lee. And of course, he was captivating and and iconic in in every factor from his physique to how he moved, to even his story of overcoming oppression and his racism and just that hero's journey of his and the fact that it was connected to martial arts. There was something I knew, and I can't explain this, so this is neat, when I first started Taekwondo with 30 kids in the class at the end of you've done, have you ever done martial
0: arts? I did Shotokan karate when I was probably 16 years old, but I'm 55 now. So, okay. so, you know. so, so, but you remember like at the
1: end of a form, there's always like a ki, and you do the, yeah. like the end of a yeah. form, right? Yeah. So here I am 13 years old. It's just starting. I would, I'd be so excited, man. I'd like tying my belt, putting the uniform on. I just felt like I was part of something. And when we were told to ki at the end of the form, I couldn't do it. Everyone and all the kids are going, ki, and yelling. And I couldn't do it. And my brain went, why would I yell before my punch? Wouldn't that betray the element of surprise? That was my 13-year-old brain said. And what I did in class so that I didn't get in trouble for the instructors is I mouthed it in time with everyone else. So if every, you have 29 kids going, hey, and then throwing a punch, I was just going, <laughs> but I said, I'm not going to yell before I punch because then I'll let the guy I'm trying to hit know I'm about to do something. Because yeah. when you yell, it triggers <laughs> it. And that might seem like, like like insignificant, but thinking back on my life, that was very significant. That was a behavioral insight that when you look at the the self-defense system, uh, the communication system, the fear management system, it's understanding these nuances. It's a dance between instincts, intuition, and intelligence, what I call the three eyes. My instinct said don't do it. I didn't have a lot of intuition at the time because I was young, but it was like, you know, your 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 intuition can be loosely described as as a voice that whispers in your ear, you know, based on things you know and experiences. Like I wouldn't do that if I were you. And you kind of know why. So it was like that thing where I just I knew I and I and I teach that to this day, and it's controversial, like because in the martial arts world, you know, you you yell before you you do things. So
0: are you the kind of person in other areas of your life that really questions assumptions? So, in other words, there was an assumption there that, you know, this is just how we do it, right? You just yell the ki. But are you, is this sort of your nature to look at things and go, yeah, but wh- why are you doing it that way? Because it doesn't make sense to me. Great question. Only if something in the three eyes gets alerted.
1: So, like, if I said to you, do you always check, you know, the, if you got a full tank of gas in your car? And the answer is no, but yes, it depends. If I'm going on a long trip, I'll, I'll check. But you trust the, the little ping, you know, when it gets down to, you know, it'll ping, fill up. We, we trust low battery warning. We don't always look battery, battery, battery. In other words, those little, those little radar blips. From technology, we have that built in, in us, and it's called it's it's the three eyes: your instincts, your uh, intuition, and those together create and formulate. Is this is like you know my little poetic license? Your intelligence, because if I get screwed in, in a business deal, and then afterwards I go, I'm such an asshole. You know, uh, like I knew that guy was dirty. I knew he was wrong. And when he when he changed that, he wouldn't sign that NDA. And he wanted to, and he just said, I'm a handshake guy. And I, you're an idiot when you get burned like that because you were not listening to the three eyes. And, and, you know, that opens up, of course, another Pandora's box. Why do you do the deal? Right. That's, you know.
0: Hey, it's Rob. I want to jump in and take a quick second to say you got to get a coach. It just makes a difference. A coach can offer you perspective and accelerate your goals so much faster. If you want to work with me, head over to robshowcoach.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call. All right, let's get back to the show. What's the difference from your perspective between instinct and intuition? So I, I think instinct is
1: more of the hardwired part. So like, like, are you an early riser? Are you like getting up at I five, AM? Yeah. Again? I am. Yeah. I hate that. Right. I'm like, I, I, I much prefer I wake up when I wake up and sometimes it's five in the a. Uh, five in the morning, but I'm, and I know guys like you and I'm jealous of you. It's like, yeah, man, I'm up at four 30. I do my meditation. I do my journaling. I do this. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to love ice baths. I've read all about them. I love the heat. I live near the ocean. I moved yeah. to California, you know, from Montreal. Yeah. I love yeah. the heat. I'll do cold showers sometimes. I'll go in the icy ocean with some friends and scream and and. But feel like this every day, like I'm not wired like that, so. It, that's an interesting so the instincts to me is 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 and again from an entrepreneur's perspective versus like a like my self-defense system that i that i started developing intuitively based on instincts i mean think about this like i lost a 12 million dollar company in 2010 i shouldn't say i lost it it wasn't like there's my company it was fucking stolen from me mm-hmm After the dust settled, and I I use me as an example, (laughs) because it's very ironic. When I first started getting signs that something was off, I went to my COO and I said, what's this? I confronted it. And because he was in on it with them, he lied masterfully. But he was a guy I hired out of Harvard. But I had to try. He's (laughs) He's my COO. Hey. Dude, why are they changing the holding company? No, it's a tax benefit for them. It doesn't affect us. Really? That's weird. Hey, how come the manufacturer over here wants to have this in their name for this patent application? Oh, it needs to be because they own the equipment that's designing this piece of. And like his answers were, were good, but inside man, I was still like, something was off. My fear that I was actually, that this was happening. Prevented me from, you know, turning on the metaphoric spotlight and going a little deeper into the dark. I superficially did it, and and then what ended up happening is I had you know I, it all blew up and I dissolved the company, but I lost a twelve million dollar uh, uh, a year program in the dissolution. My instincts were saying something's wrong. My intuition was saying something's wrong, and then I said I don't want to believe it. And I sided with the, you know, confirmation bias, cognitive dissonance, and a whole bunch of other rationale, you know, the rational lies metaphor. Yeah, it must be this. It must be that only to find out instincts and
0: intuition were correct. This was happening. Where does intuition come from? Wow. We're getting into like metaphysical black box
1: because I don't know why does somebody look at you and go. Like, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, I want to be second in command. So the way I describe it, because I'm, 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 I'm jumping back and forth between trying to give you like some sort of cool definition mm-hmm. versus how I share it with people when I'm coaching and mentoring and talking. And I always describe it as a voice that whispers in your ear, in your mind. It's something you hear, you don't, you don't go guys. My intuition just said, it's like something, this isn't right. This is good. That's what you want to do. You, and, and it's, it's, and I, and I look at it, I go, where does that, where does that come from? And some of it is like, Oh, I'll tell you a really cool self-defense story. I mentioned earlier that I got jumped when I was 12, went home, yep, told my yep. dad, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the story. I just finished a baseball game. I'm walking alone and coming off the field. All day everyone say goodbye I was like last to leave. And I'm all alone, and two kids, 12 and a half, turning 13, two, I guess, 15, 16 year olds from the high school up the street, they go, Hey, kid. Damn I go, oh, older kids are talking to me. <laughs> like I, I run over for the slaughter, right? Yeah. All yeah. right. Uh, And they go, hey, you go to school here? They go, yeah. When are you going to Western Laval? You know, the high school. Oh, next year. Well, welcome to high school. Thank you. (laughs) They grab me and they get me in like the, uh, you know, the half Nelson, like my arms behind my back. And I'm struggling like this, man. I'm like, get off me. Get off me. He goes to hit me. And as he, as his punch lands, I scream. I thought I was going to die. Right. It's like, ah. and as it hits me, I scream and I felt. And I, I, I thought I was going to like, I thought my r- ribs were going to break and I was going to die. I mean, I really freaked out that I immediately groaned and went ah, and I felt the guy behind me. I felt his grip loosen up in concert with my moan and my brain at 12 immediately went, he thinks you're hurt. Do that again. And I went, ah, ah and I gagged and, I felt him like let go of me and drop. And I as I went down, I saw the other guy's eyes and they took off. And I'm on the ground going, as they turned the corner. And as soon as they turned the corner, I went, wow, what the fuck just happened? Fixed my shirt, ran home. All of that is intuition. All of that is, is a voice saying, do this now, do this again, trust this, go. There, there's not a mechanical definition that I have or use. I just, I, you know, anytime in the last 30 plus years, 40 years teaching, if I say to somebody, have you ever had a voice in your head tell you, trust this person, don't do this, go there, and everyone does. So I go, don't blindly listen to that, but you need to weigh and consider that, that voice. That's a self-awareness connection because then we get Really down a, a deep rabbit hole on on that because <laughs> some people hear voices and 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 don't make good life choices. So it's well, not let's, that.
0: Let's dig into that a little bit. So now you know. Now this is it's all nice, and we're you know it, what 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 I can't remember that. I guess it was oh what the hell was his name? I said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mike Tyson. Everyone,
1: everyone thinks it was Tyson, but it was actually the the uh,
0: great heavyweight boxer Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. But everyone, everyone quotes it as tight. He gets the the attribution for it. You know, you've said that the secret is in stress inoculating through realistic scenario training, along with verbal skills and self coaching strategies. So a lot of what we're talking about is principles. But when your heart's pounding, you're terrified and fear takes over, listening to those three eyes can be a bit of a challenge. So how do you inoculate them? Or maybe maybe you can give me some examples of the kinds of drills, role plays, scenarios that you do that simulates a realistic thing that they can respond to in the real world. And does that... Does that transfer when they're not prepared for it? In other words, you know, I'm in your, I'm in your gym, and you're training me, and we've got all these things that are happening, and I get good at it. But does that transfer when it's two a.m. and I'm coming out of the bar, you know, with a couple of drinks in me, and I'm not the last thing I'm thinking about is this. You understand the the question? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, great question. The secret to that is a word I use called replication. Most of the people who teach self defense most of them, the training is very stylized, meaning you're trying to exemplify the style, the martial art. So, if you're doing Wing Chun, your stance is this. If you're doing Shotokan, your stance is here. If you're Taekwondo, you're balancing side. Sa- Every martial art has a, a a a look and a feel like branding, right? As a martial artist, you can look at. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've coached people in this. People, industry you got like brand guides. Hey, this is our color. This is our font, right? So styles are like that too, where I can look at somebody and go, oh, he does this type of Kung Fu. I know right away. Here's the, and I'm going to get a little nerdy for a second. Everything works in a demo. Everything works when you're practicing the moves. Will it work at two in the morning? At two in the morning, the problem is the bad guy has selected you and he's going to try and surprise you. He's not going to text you and message you and go, hey, you know, two blocks, I'm going to attack you, get ready, right? So it's a surprise. So what I discovered in the 80s, and this is really what, what developed my whole system around the genetic wiring of the start of flinch, was that when a stimulus got introduced too quickly, our executive function was hijacked. Our executive function is what communicates with our cognitive brain. Our cognitive brain is where we control all the moves we practice. So if I said to you, hey, man, uh, if I threw a punch at you, what would you do? Your answer is always theoretical. Well, I'd slip and I'd bob and weave. I'd block it. I'd do that. It's theoretical. We're visualizing an event in the future that hasn't happened. And then we're downloading in our mind what we think we would do. Well, so now you turn around at an ATM machine and you're pulling out some money and, and you're, you, you know, you're getting it for a, a cab or you want to go to another bar and get a drink. And, and you do that and you turn around, there's a guy there and you're going, hey, man, what's up? And he throws that punch. Your brain didn't have time to download there. So executive function gets hijacked. The cognitive brain is bypassed and your survival brain takes over. And this is the start of flinch. Your survival brain will try to cover the head and push away danger. So I built a whole system around that. So I'm going to answer your question with three different stories. When we do self-defense training, we always design it from the bad guy has compromised us. The bad guy has surprised us. Why? Because that would be the most dangerous moment In your in your day in your life, is if you were surprised by an attacker. If somebody calls you up and says, "I'm going to beat you up tomorrow after lunch," that's scary and dangerous. But you've got like 24 hours to figure out: should I go to lunch at the same place? Do I need to call the police right now? You know, should I start? Should I put my karate gi on and fight this guy? Right? I'm I'm making fun, but. Most of the time when we're ambushed in business in a relationship and in the street, it's a surprise attack. So what we do is, going back to the Maslow's heart of needs thing here, is we build everything based on physiology, kinesiology, and psychology. So I've created a self-defense protocol based on how we actually move under threat and stress. And, and so we talk about managing fear. We have a maxim, the people who manage their fear manage to fight. It's not a guarantee for victory, but in any battle, like, like you got to be there and you will not show up if you don't agree to fight. And this is a really subtle thing is when I'm, when I'm talking fear management people, they think when they train a certain, to a certain level, they get to no fear and no fear. Like, okay, now I'm this good. I don't have any fear, but that doesn't exist
0: when i think about the secret service and i know you do a lot of training for pretty much every conceivable branch of the military from special forces to the coast guard i mean you've done you've done it all when i think about secret service agents and i just i just had a flash in my mind of of reagan getting shot and i yeah, think yeah. about when you sort of like you know look at that video and see how those guys reacted in the way that you're describing which is that you know that 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 split second reaction i know you've seen that video when you see something like that what do you see courage training the you know like stepping in front
1: of somebody where you don't know where rounds are coming off you know and, and i will say this there's a symbiotic bodyguard instinct in parents too right that don't go to they don't go to protective service you know, uh, bodyguard school and and learn how to do stuff. So there's a there's 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 a part in all of us where if you saw something about to happen to your mom or your dog or your where you, you're moving towards the danger without even thinking. But specific to that Reagan incident and that type of that's that's exceptional scenario based training where they replicated that type of confrontation and i've worked with secret service and 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 like formations and movement and protecting your principle and what you're going to do like everyone has a role but if you watch it carefully you what you see and this is very interesting and very deep you see a juxtaposition between their cognitive brain and their reactive brain you can see this elasticity in the body of like shit it's happening and and there's these micro delays of I should get the hell out of here. To know this is what you've been trained to do, but, so, but
0: but but in a microsecond. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know you've seen. I'm sure you've studied this this stuff where they this this Israeli guy he was uh, he he did something for L Al, the airlines. And he was trying to train people for you know looking for bad guys getting on the flights to Israel, and right. they. They would have these these agents that would be asking people in line, getting ready to get on the flight, these random questions. And they were, it wasn't about the questions that they were asking. It was the micro expressions that you're referring to that would tell them in a thousandth of a second. Did they flare their nostril? Did they, you know, did they raise their eyebrows, etc. So, I guess my question around that is, is it possible to Train yourself to instinctually act in the way that you can protect yourself where it's been hardwired enough through replication so that you can go through what you just described, where it's that one second of, Oh shit, this is happening to that one second of now I need to, now I need to do this. You know, like how much exposure do you have to have to your kind of work to be able to have it automated? The response Great question to effectively navigate violence, you need a good situational awareness,
1: right? No awareness, no chance. If you can't see something, you can't get ready for it. Every victim of violence who ever lived to tell the tale said they had a bad feeling before the attack. What is that? That's one of the eyes, intuition. Right? I got it's a bad feeling. Yeah, it's not it's instinct, it's, right? it's intuition. intuition. Right? Yes. Right? I got a bad feeling, is is you know, and so. You need to have effective situational awareness. And then when your intuition, and this isn't like 90% of the time, it's 100% of the people I've talked to, because we based everything on, do I understand situational awareness? Do I understand fear management? Do I understand how to read intuition and then act on it? And then do I understand functional movement? What is functional movement? Well, if I turned around and you stuck a gun on my face, I would go, whoa hands who come up. And so when someone comes and trains with us, the first thing that we teach them is the skill and strategy of managing fear. And the biggest reframe here isn't, isn't to get to a place of no fear and no fear, but to get to no fear and realize that if you're in a violent situation or if you're, in a, if you're fighting for your business or if you're fighting for your relationship, you should be scared because there's a lot of risk. But you that doesn't mean you shirk your responsibility or you don't show up or you don't fight like hell. You just figure out a way to use fear as fuel. Got it. So I'm not saying you gotta train this for 30 days so you can punch in this weird formation. When you flinch and your hands come up, your fingers play, your hands come in, and I teach people how to strike from the startle flinch. So we're teaching people how to convert the startle flinch because as you your hands come up to cover your head. As you push away danger, you've got eye gouge, finger jab, palm strike, forearm, and elbow as natural weapons driving towards the threat. It's very fascinating. So we actually have a course called Be on Bodyguard, and it's a day-long course because we teach. And if you've ever done martial arts, you're probably going, what is this? This, this guy's an idiot. You can't teach self-defense in a day. Yes, you can. Just in the same way you can teach CPR and and tactical first aid in a day. It doesn't make you a doctor. So you can learn the principles of self-defense and some simple life-saving skills, just like knowing how to put on a tourniquet or do CPR. You can learn it very quickly, but it doesn't make you a black belt. It doesn't make you a martial artist. You can't go jump in the octagon and fight somebody,
0: but you can certainly protect yourself. Yeah. Help keep you alive. That's for sure. Okay, I wanna jump in for 15 seconds and say, if you're an entrepreneur grinding away and not taking time to experience extraordinary things around the world with other entrepreneurs, you may wanna join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind to Dubai on November 19th. Head over to workhardplayhardexperience.com and fill out an application. All right. So as we wrap up, I'm going to do a, a quick uh, rapid fire round of questions uh, with you. And we're going to make sure that we link up to uh, all of your, your products and what you do in the show notes. What would your friends say is your superpower? Wow. My friends would probably think
1: that I overthink. <laughs> and, and you know, it's weird. I, 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 hesit, I hesitate on that one because I'm probably... I'm so hard on myself that I don't think of myself as as a guy with superpowers. Mm. I just worked so hard. But I've I've been criticized a lot for overthinking things by the same people that go, wow, you're so successful (laughs) in a different conversation. How did you create this entire system and how did you teach? How do you teach these tier one guys in this corporation? And I went because I overthink.
0: so it's actually it actually seems to some as a deficit but it actually is your superpower that's allowed you to create the company that you've created do you collect anything or have you ever collected anything at different phases of my life
1: guitars and uh, knives but you know for a long period bruce lee memorabilia
0: i i i i I happen to love watches so uh yeah that kind of stuff i i know you're a uh you're a, you're a music guy, and uh, in my research, I found out that you're a Led Zeppelin fan. Oh my god! And I yeah. actually saw Led Zeppelin in Madison Square Garden when I was a kid. Wow! How old were you? Remember, fourteen.
1: Yeah, that's 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 insane. At, at at Madison Square Garden, that's insane. Yeah, and Zeppelin. What's what's crazy is I had just gotten turned on to them, and I was like 15 years old. And all my other friends were into them. And for whatever reason, I didn't. And I discovered them. I'm like, oh my God. And they were coming to the Montreal Forum 1976. And I was a friend of my family's had a hookup and I had front row.
0: Oh my God. Zaffern.
1: And uh, Bonham passed away just before. Oh, he died. He died right
0: before. Yeah. So I was like, no, you know. Where is Sorry. John Henry Bonham? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Two more questions. What yes. book have you reread the most? Reread.
1: Yeah. This is going to be a boring answer for you guys, but there's a book that Bruce Lee put together called The Tao of Jeet Kune Do that, yeah. you know, I'd like, I, I read that and the book of five rings for like 10 years straight when, it was, when I was like 13 to. 2325 interesting anecdote about dao jee kundo which is spelled t-a-o but i'm pronouncing it like a cool martial art guy i in the 80s became very good friends with bruce lee's son brandon lee oh wow yeah, so Brandon and I were were, were were buddies. My son Nick took his first step. If you scroll through my Instagram, you'll see a picture of Brandon holding my son Nick at like nine months old. We we're friends. I, I I worked on a movie with him in Hong Kong. I was on the set of of The Crow three weeks before he he had the accident. Uh, so I knew him for years, but I was visiting him one year. In he lived in Echo Park in in near L.A. And I'm sitting there one day, I'd just gone to his place, he had just moved, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking, waiting for him, and I'm looking at his book collection, he's got all these martial art books there. So I'm like, you know, I grab one, and I'm looking at the books. And inside the books, there's like highlighting and circling. And all of a sudden, my freak, I got goosebumps right now. These are all his dad's books. My God, and I'm holding like Bruce Lee's books, because Bruce, Bruce was uh, like a voracious reader, and he would like underline and highlight all the like the Krishnamurti books and and philosophy and physics and fencing and all this stuff. And there I was, and it just popped in my head. I had to tell you a story because it's you know. But Bruce wrote this book called uh, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. and it was this all this philosophy kind of like an encyclopedic book on his thoughts on on fighting.
0: What a beautiful path you've had in your life. Can you imagine if somebody whispered your ear in your ear at 15 years old? And when you answered your mom, the way we started this podcast and your mom said to you, Oh, by the way, you're going to move to California. You're going to become friends with his son. Like you would have went like. You're out of your fucking mind, mom. <laughs>
1: yeah, right? It's, it's it's crazy, man. Because you're making me you're making me tear up, and I don't want to cry in the show. I've I've had crazy experiences with another childhood hero of mine was Robert Wagner from the original yeah. Wild Wild West. Sure, and I ended up becoming friends with him, stunt doubling him on a movie. He was doing. Come on, and then friends with him for years, like to the point where I'd go to in the 80s here's an interesting this is a great story we become friends i'm i'm out in california where all the magazines are doing something for black belt magazine we get together you're (laughs) gonna the he takes me out to dinner at where do you know where boa steakhouse is in beverly hills yeah okay so before it was boa there was another like you know steakhouse yep i go to dinner with him there i'm having dinner with robert conrad he lives around the corner in a, in, a, in a. He's got a like a big, big suite in a local hotel, and he's the president of SAG at the time. and mm-hmm. And we're there, and we're just chit chatting because he loved fighting. He was a semi pro boxer. Yeah, and how on the first day of the set, I'm like, this is a childhood hero of mine. I grew up watching, you know, the the Wild Wild West, Sugar Ray Leonard. Also, a boxing idol. I'd become friends with him. He gave me a shirt in 1980. He fought Duran in Montreal. Now, here's the thing we do. You talk about because because I did tear up and I had goosebumps if my mom said to me this things. Part of me would say, "Holy shit! I'm so excited to hear you say that because I know." Wow. When when I met Brandon, we were walking, and I said, "Dude, I always knew I was going to meet you." wow and he fucking laid into me man he we like he stopped me on the sidewalk right after this acting class and he goes you know everyone wants to know me because of my dad nobody wants to know me because of me Mm. and he gave me shit you know because why would you say to a random person i was doing i'd meet you it was because of his father of course and he just tore into me man and i looked at him and I said, hey, we're standing like literally right over the crack of a sidewalk on our walking walking our way to Cantor's Deli in 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 Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I said, wow. I said, hey, can you do me a favor? Could you help me out? And he goes, how would you mean help you out? I go, because like I just stepped into this crack here and I feel about this big right now mm-hmm. and I can't get out of this crack by myself. And he kind of looked at me. I said, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. I can't believe how many times you must have said heard someone say you're bruce lee's son you're bruce lee's son you're bruce lee's son you know and you know we we shook it off we got to know each other we became very good friends after that he, he, he came to montreal he hung out with me he trained with me it was wild but robert conrad brandon stallone also at 16 when when rocky came out in 1976 i mean which one of us like you're there like rocky won so i'm like six times the right? I get a call from John Brown of ringside products, ringside boxing products. I'm developing some equipment with him. He says, Hey, I got the next white hope for boxing here. His name's Tommy Morrison. When he come into town, I go there. I meet Tommy six months later. He's got a role in Rocky five. John says, I need to go to Rocky five and keep training Tommy, you know, in between shooting days, just so he's doing his shadow boxing and running. So I end up meeting Stallone and getting to know the, so robert conrad stallone bruce lee's son crazy, like you talk about but all of them all of them man when 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 sugar ray was fighting and sugar ray when sugar Ray was fighting duran i said to the guys at my school it was 1980 i was already teaching at you know like teaching full-time i said to one of my students Leonard and Duran are fighting, and they're like, "Holy shit!" I said, "I oh my god, I can't wait to meet Sugar Ray Leonard." And two of my students said, "How are you going to meet Sugar Ray Leonard?" I said, "I don't know. I'll figure it out, but I got to meet this guy because he was doing stuff in the ring that Bruce Lee only wrote about." So it was just all this weird.
0: Like, you know what, man? There's- I got to tell you, you are you're you're one of the most spiritually guided people that I've ever interviewed. You, it's almost like. Thank um, you, man. Well, it's, it's obvious in, in the longevity that you've had and the path, like I, I, it'd be interesting for you to listen back to this interview because your, your life was very, very clear at a very young age. And most of the people listening to the show don't have that gift. They, they struggle. They really, it takes them a long time to figure out what they're passionate about you had it right from the beginning, which is why you've, you've reached the level of success you have and why you have, you know, all of these people that want to be around you and want to be connected to you because it's, it's pure. It's, and, and we all see it. We all know it when we see it. So, but what a great life. Thank you, man. Thank you. it. it. You got it. Well, listen, we're going to link up everything in the show notes and thank you for taking the time with us today.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Like I said, you know, when you invited me, I always check out the website. I went, wow, you know, uh, this is a great message. This looks like a great community and I'm excited. I do want to say, leave one thing. The journey of my life was always derailed by my own fear. And so if you're an entrepreneur out there, you're trying to live your life. Fear is natural. If somebody had taught me when I was young, lean into fear, learn about fear, let it be a fuel. I leave you with one of my, my favorite lines from our program. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. The primary ingredient of fear, of courage is fear. You can't have courage without fear. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. And so the next time you're afraid to make a speech or do a deal or say, we need to get a, v- a divorce, we need to get married, I'm going to defend myself here. And you feel your heart going, just lean into that. It doesn't mean that you're not skilled. And I just wanted to get that out there because that... My whole journey to right here, to this interview with you could have been the same, but I'd have, let's say, more hair and less gray hair had I understood this, this idea of leaning into fear at a much younger age.
0: Right. What a great lesson. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. I really Thank appreciate you, that, Tony. Appreciate it. Thank you.